0: Stoicism gives you a framework for dealing with some of these things because it gives you a whole range of very profound principles and ways of putting these into practice so that they hang together, they make sense. So I think these two aspects then, the mindfulness and developing resilience, are very valuable.
1: Welcome to Stoic Conversations. In this podcast, Michael Trombley and I discuss the theory and practice of Stoicism. Each week, we'll share two conversations, one between the two of us, and another will be an in-depth conversation with an expert. In this conversation, I speak with Professor Chris Gill. It's a conversation we previously exclusively released on the Stoa app. Do check out Stoa. We are currently running a special for our annual membership this month. Just search Stoa in the Play Store or App Store. In our conversation, Chris Gill explains the core tenets of Stoicism. It's really one of the best explanations of the philosophy from a scholar who, through his work with modern Stoicism, regularly interacts with practitioners. We talk through Stoic virtue, the idea of indifference, the Stoic view of emotions, and how to be happy. Here is my conversation with Dr. Chris Gill. Thanks so much for joining. It's a pleasure. So what are the core tenets of the modern Stoic
0: view? Well, I think I'll just give you the core tenets of, of ancient Stoicism, which, which I think are also the core tenets of modern Stoicism, or should be. So first of all, there's the idea that our happiness is up to us. It doesn't depend on acquiring lots of money or other e- external things. It's something that, that that we have in our own power. It's something that's up to us, and we, we become happy by developing the virtues, virtues like wisdom, courage, justice, self-control. Another point, this will take a while <laughs> just to run through these, so you can interrupt at any time. Okay. So... That's one, the, the basic one, I think. The second one is the, the distinction between virtue and what the Stoics call indifference. By indifference, the Stoics mean things like health, material wealth, but also the welfare of our, our families. Now, these are not indifferent in the sense that we just they just don't matter. They do matter. And mm-hmm. everyone naturally wants to have these rather than their opposites. But they, the Stoics, call them indifference because they don't make the difference between happiness and misery. What makes the difference between happiness and misery is is whether or not you you use the indifference uh, virtuously or not. Whether you whether you the way you tr- whether you acquire or lose things is done with virtue or not. So virtue is the decisive factor. Always in what the Stoics mean by happiness. A third core tenet, as as I see it, is their ideas about development or what they some their ideas about ethical development. The Stoics believe that it's natural for all of us to have certain core instincts or motives. One is to look after ourselves, and the other is to care for other people. And both those things, they think, are equally natural. They're equally part of what it is to be human. And in both cases, development is a matter of beginning with those primary instincts, primary motives, and then developing them to the point of acquiring and exercising virtue so there's two strands in development one is is coming to know better how to choose between indifference how to select indifference and how to act virtuously the second strand in development is going from a kind of primary care for other people which we all naturally do have naturally have for say our children or those close to us and developing this so that we have a fully mature attitude to social relations generally. We can relate to our community. We can Mm -hmm. play a role in in larger contexts. And one very important aspect of this is coming to realize that all human beings as such are part of a a brotherhood or, or kinship or citizenship. So there are these two strands to ethical development. And... These are important in themselves, but another going along with that is the belief which the Stoics have that everyone is capable of ethical development. It's not just a few people. It's not just the select philosophers. It's human beings as such that are capable of this, and they remain capable of it throughout their lives. So they have a very strong belief about the possibility of of, of of developing in this way and finally the final core tenet Tenet is also relating to development and that is the the belief that we can all develop emotionally in ways that I can go into a bit more later on we can all develop emotionally and that this emotional development is closely bound up with the ethical development which I was just described just outlined Mm -hmm. So there you've got five elements about virtue and happiness, virtue and indifference, about ethical development, social development, and emotions. And if you look at the ancient accounts of Stoic ethics, those are always part, or nearly always part, of what they pick out as key elements in Stoic thinking.
1: Yeah, that's useful. So we have this first tenet that happiness is up to us because it's Mm -hmm. under our power to exercise virtue and then we have this second tenet which has to do with the indifference Mm -hmm. and i think maybe it's worth diving into that a little bit more since Mm -hmm. it can be a little bit subtle i think the point you made just now is that we have these things that are indifferent things that are not directly relating to the virtues. And one way people describe this is that indifference might be valuable, but they're not ultimately valuable because a virtue is what is ultimately valuable according to a Stoic. So if you ever have to make a trade-off, it's better to choose virtue. Subtle point you made is that there's this idea of how you use the indifference that's Mm -hmm. crucial. And it's not merely just a point about virtue being more important than the Indifference.
0: Yes, no, that's quite important, really, because often people talk as if it's a kind of trade off, you know, either I go for the indifference or I go for virtue. But actually, that's a rather misleading way of putting it because. To act virtuously is to make the right choices between indifference. To select, select, as the Stoics say, between indifference. So, we all have to deal with things like health, the 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 welfare of our family, material possessions. Those are just the stuff of human life. So they and these are genuinely, positively valuable. They're they're not. You know, so Stoics don't have to say, oh well, you know, health doesn't matter, and these other things matter. They matter. But they aren't the things that fundamentally make us happy or make or create a good human life. What makes the good human life is using them in the right way. So that's the, that's, I think that is what you call the subtle point is very, very important, I think, and, and somehow often missed. Otherwise, it's a bit like a sort of, well, it's an either or, but it isn't like that, really. I mean, it isn't as if you get to, you know, a fork in the road and you either, <laughs> you have a life of virtue or you have a life of indifference. That doesn't sort of make any sense. Life has has potentially both in, but they're symbiotic, really. So I wonder if we could also spend some more time
1: on the idea of ethical and social developments. Yes. I wonder if you could say a little bit more about what makes them distinct. So the way I'm currently understanding what makes them distinct is that the ethical development is more self-focused and you're thinking about, say, cultivating individual bits of character. You know, you have the four stoic cardinal virtues, whereas the social development is a matter of seeing your role with respect to your family, your city. Your nation and so forth
0: i think that's roughly right i mean there's there's in both areas there's development and they're they're completely interrelated in in life you can't as mm-hmm. were, have one without the other because there's no context you know there's no point in life at which you're just completely you know we can't suddenly disappear to a desert island and just oh well i'm just going to cultivate the virtues i mean that doesn't you know and you couldn't anyway you can't cultivate the virtues without without relating to other people. But 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 just conceptually, as ideas, you can distinguish between these two aspects of development. One is learning about values, learning what 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 you know how what learning about indifference, learning how to select indifference and learning how to act virtuously on the one hand, and on the other, relating to other people. And that's that's how the ancient Stoics divide them, you know, one is developing this primary notion of care for yourself, and the other is developing this primary idea of care for others. And I think just to make another perhaps subtle or or important point that, 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 that the Stoics make, that not everyone makes, is they think that both of these motives, both the motive to care for yourself, and the motive to care for others; these are these are basic. They actually think that all animals have these too. I mean, they're mm-hmm. not quite right about that, but they they so in a way these are kind of very pri- at a very primary level. So, whereas in in the modern world, we often contrast. You think, oh well, egoism, isn't it? Well, it's natural to be egoistic to care for yourself, and then you learn you you are socialized so that you then care for other people. But the Stoics don't see it that way. They think that we are naturally Disposed to care for ourselves, and also naturally disposed to care for others, and of course, that's there's a very strong, suppose, biological reason for thinking that because because it is so widespread among animals, for instance, to care to care for their young, other animals
1: that makes sense, and is was a useful way to distinguish the different parts of development. The last aspect of development you mentioned was emotional development,
0: so. Just as we're all capable of developing our understanding and developing our social relations, so we're all capable. The Stoics believe, of developing emotionally, and that these are all interconnected. So emotional development isn't something again that happens on its own. Emotional development is bound up with, and depends on, and depends on getting a better understanding of values, and getting. A better understanding of relationships. I think we'd need to, to 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 sort of get a full grip of that, we'd need to talk a little bit about more about the emotions.
1: Yeah, we could we could dive into that now.
0: Let's dive into it. Dive into the emotions. Not a very static thing to do, but perhaps it is. Well, the, the 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 absolutely key thing about emotions, I think, is that there's a contrast between what you might call bad emotions and good emotions. So the Stoics aren't anti-emotional. They don't think we can kind of be completely non-emotional, but they do think that emotions, the quality of our emotions, depends on our ethical understanding. So mm-hmm. you have different kinds of emotions, different emotions and different kind of emotions, according to whether you are or are not virtuous or whether you are or are not developing towards virtue so they think for instance that there are four primary kind of what they call bad emotions sometimes called passions so we've got these there's there's pleasure which they mean by which they mean something that's that's inappropriate pleasure which you have in the present and then there's appetite or desire which you have for the future and those are sort of as on the positive side on the negative side there is distress you're distressed by what's happening at the moment and you have fear for the future now those are the four kind of primary emotions they might they may not sound very bad i'll explain in a minute what mm-hmm. what's, why they're bad and then so those are the from their point of view bad emotions the good emotions on the other hand are par- parallel with them there are three not four i'll explain why there's only three in a minute so corresponding to pleasure in the bad emotion column is joy. So the, the virtuous person, the wise person, experiences joy in the present, but not pleasure. The virtuous person experiences wishing when she looks towards the future, but not desire or appetite or yearning. The virtuous person looks, feel doesn't feel fear for the future, but she feels caution. There's no equivalent, they think, for distress, in this, because the wise person, the virtuous person, is never in the contact with something bad, because the only thing that's really bad, according to Stokes, is, 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 is vice, the opposite of virtue, and the virtuous person is always in, in contact with, with virtue. Now, this is all sort of terribly schematic, but the point the Stoics are making with these kind of schemata are that it, so emotions depend for their value, they depend for their quality, their ethical quality, on your understanding and on how you live and so forth. And the quality of your emotional life changes according, according to whether you, as you move towards, towards virtue. Now, mm-hmm. what's wrong with the bad emotions? Why don't we have lots and lots of bad, you know, hang on, what's, what's wrong with, you know, pleasure and desire and fear and so on? Well, basically they are misguided. They rest on a kind of mistake. Well, what's the mistake? The mistake is that thinking that indifference are really good, that your happiness depends on indifference. So people, say, who get angry, typically people who think that their happiness in life depends on, say, acquiring status. Or acquiring wealth, or being being you know things of that kind. I mean, of course, we could, it's very easy to think of examples of that. There are lots of people who get incredibly angry because they think that somebody else is getting more money than them, or getting a, getting promotion when they want to, or that you know they they they're not getting treated with sufficient importance. In public life, we can think of some notable examples of this, and we can also think of specific people, and these are tendencies we find in ourselves too. So that's one aspect about the bad emotions. The other thing about the bad emotions is that they are, the Stoics think they have a certain kind of, kind of subjective register. They typically, they're overwhelming, They or they can be. They're not always, mm-hmm. but they can be overwhelming, intense, conflicted, Whereas the good emotion, well, the good emotions, first of all, are based on correct judgments. They're based on a proper understanding of what's worthwhile in life, of of how you need to live virtuously, and and how your happiness depends on this. But also the the actual what we you know often think of as emotional, the subjective register is is different. So good emotions are typically calmer. They are less intense. They don't carry you away. And and they're not full of inner conflict. So it's those two aspects of it that that they that are there. And they the one of the one of the similes that ancient Stoics used for this is the difference between running legs. Emotions are like running legs; they carry you away. You can't stop. You're out of control potentially. And the good emotions are like walking legs that you can you can so you're you're they're under your control in a way. I see. You have these bad
1: emotions and there are two things that make them bad. One is what comes into play is the stoic cognitive model emotions, where emotions are based on our judgments, our beliefs mm-hmm. about the world. And yeah. the bad emotions are based off of false beliefs. They're mistaken, as exactly. you said. Um, exactly. And not only that, they can distort our decision-making. Uh, You know, when we are in a particularly, say, angry mood, then we're more likely to be rash. Mm -hmm. Whereas we have these positive emotions on the other side, which are based on properly valuing and also less likely to distort our decision making.
0: Yes, and not just our decision making, but our whole life our whole relationships our, our our actions the way we feel the way we act yeah
1: um do you think this cognitive model of emotion is correct I guess another way of asking this is like maybe like what do you think is the, the best the best argument for it
0: well I think it's I think, yes I mean you you've implicitly drawn a comparison between the debate which we people have in in modern theory of emotions too that some people have what you what you're, what you might call a cognitive theory of emotions that emotions depend on beliefs and other people have the view more that they are kind of visceral reactions that they're not they're in a different sort of stra- psychological strand or aspect of ourselves and perhaps go back to a you know different part of the brain or whatever from the cognitive. And there's many debates on this. I think the Stoic view is similar to qu- that of quite a lot of contemporary psychologists, which, which stress the kind of interconnected way in which human psychology works, that, that you can't draw a sharp distinction between the more, as it were, rational and the more irrational part of us, that the brain, even if there are two parts of the brain, and they, nonetheless, they work very closely together. Mm-hmm. Um, Damasio is a well-known, you know, theorist who thinks along those lines. And I think the Stoics, as it were, got there first in that way. They blazed a trail in terms of thinking about the emotions in a in a kind of cognitive way. So I think I think it's it's a cr- perfectly credible way. It's not something we need to feel. oh, Well, old Stoics they got they got it wrong, <laughs> you know. I'm uh-huh. Embarrassed about that, but but I think so. I think there's a lot of interesting and quite interesting parallels, both in theory of emotion and also in what you might call psychotherapy between Stoics and, and and modern cognitive approaches. Yeah, I do think that.
1: Yeah, yeah, that does seem right to me. I guess I'm you know curious what maybe you thought that some of the best arguments were thinking that it was true were
0: yes it's a bold person who says (laughs) the truth about human psychology is this or that but certainly the stoics did have a have a view and i think it's it's not any long you know some i think in the past people thought well this is just not very credible but actually now it it now coincides with a lot of of what at least some you know some psychologists would 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 also want to say so i think that's good in a way i think Mm -hmm.
1: something that's got commonly said in the context of thinking about stoic theory is that stoicism is 10% theory and 90% practice do you agree, mm-hmm. generally agree with that claim
0: so are we talking about modern so so now we're talking about putting stoicism into practice or are we talking are we talking about the What the ancient Stoics did, or modern Stoics, or but what did you have in mind when you said this ninety percent, ten percent?
1: I suppose I have the modern Stoics in mind.
0: Uh, Okay, although, yeah, of course, in a way, the yeah, I I think I mean it's fair enough, but I I actually I think the same the same questions come up or came up. The ancient world. Let me just sort of talk a little bit about about some some ancient Stoics who 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 get get a lot of attention in, in in modern Stoicism too. Epictetus, for instance, who gets a lot of attention and was an ancient Stoic teacher. And what he what he says is that theory does matter. And, for instance, he says that logic matters, and says well, reasoning correctly matters a lot, and learning how to. How to reason correctly is very important, but it only matters if you put it into practice. So, if and 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 putting it into practice isn't just becoming a better kind of, you know, like a human computer. Using logic better is a matter of of building good reasoning into your ethical development, into 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 what what into making yourself a better person. Tra- you know training developing yourself into a better person so so they do here, so here's an ancient stoic teacher who who recognizes the importance of the ideas if you like the theory but but who also says well yes theory matters but theory on its own theory without 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 practice without putting it into practice is isn't valuable it isn't because it's not making you a better human being it's just making you it's just making you a kind of i mean he he was a teacher and he he had a lot of show-offy students Mm -hmm. and and i think he they got up his nose actually and he he stresses again and again through the discourses that just you know getting brilliant at, at doing logic which they did a lot of apparently isn't you know it doesn't make you a better person so so you've really and so he stresses again and again the importance of of practice as well as theory on the other hand I don't think yes ninety percent ten percent I don't know really so I, I I wouldn't want to put figures on it That's But true. I think they think both both are important Marcus is another interest Marcus Aurelius the the emperor the emperor whose reflective notebook has survives for us the meditations. He's another very interesting case. Of course, he wasn't a Stoic teacher. He wasn't, if you like, a professional stoic, but he was deeply concerned with Stoicism as a basic for, pra- for practice. He was very conscious of his own intellectual or philosophical shortcomings. And he, he knows that he doesn't hasn't reached the highest possible level in, in Stoic logic and in Stoic physics, understanding of the universe. But he is very concerned to learn, to understand, and to put into practice the core principles, as he sees them, of Stoicism. So you've got to keep the two together. But if if any of them drop away, the ancient Stoics would say, you're no longer leading a Stoic life. So so I think the same questions come up in modern Stoicism or ancient.
1: Along the same lines, I'm curious what Epictetus mentioned as some of the sort of most common pitfalls for his students. Yes. One would be one that we just touched on was maybe spending too much time on theory and not enough on practice. But I wonder if there are other useful things he had to say. I mean, of course, but there are, but you know what 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 comes to mind.
0: Well, I think that both both because Epictetus I think Epictetus is very concerned to kind of identify core messages and key things that are going to get people going and help their development. And these are ideas that he stresses again and again through the, through the discourses and that we also pick up in, in teachings for modern stoicism. One is the, one is the distinction between what's up to us and what's not up to us. What's within our power and not within our power in the hat, the handbook, which is kind of summary of, of his discourses. He stresses this very much. And the other, another one which he stresses very much is examining, what he calls examining your impressions. That is looking before you act, studying the, 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 the beliefs that are shaping what you're, what you're doing. Now, I think these... These can sometimes be taken and sometimes are taken by modern Stoics as just a kind of formula. This is, you know, you have this, you, you've got all you need to know. Well, in a way, that's right. I mean, because, because you know, that's what Epictetus is telling us, that if you do these things, you, you'll, you'll, you know, at least you'll be moving in the right direction. But I think it's important to know that what I think Epictetus was doing here was he was using these practices as a way of encapsulating of of summarizing some of those key tenets that i talked about earlier on because the idea of, of focusing on what's up to you and not is 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 based on the idea that ha- happiness depends on us on developing the virtues and not on acquiring lots acquiring indifference and and it also Presupposes the or rests on the ideas, Stoic ideas about development. So I think Epictetus was what he was trying to do here in these kind of recurrent messages, which are a basis for practice. He's trying to boil down the theory into manageable elements of of practice, and and distinguishing between what's up to us and not is one of these. Because you see. What what he wants to say is, look, it's it's up to you to be you can be you can make you can get move towards a life of happiness. But part of what that means is is seeing that the indifference are indifferent, and and seeing that virtue is what you need to develop.
1: I suppose spending just a little bit more time on Epictetus. Yes. One thing he advocates is the three disciplines. Yes, where you have the discipline of. Desire, discipline of assent or judgment, and then the disciplines of action.
0: Sure, that's three. He he. The longest statement of these is in Discourses three, two, three, book three, chapter two. And as you've just suggested, he he thinks there are three of what Ado calls disciplines. I think he himself calls them just three topics the first of which is to distinguish between what is up to us and not what is within our power and not the second one is to shape our motives and uh, so that we are acting appropriately and shape our social development our our the way we relate to other people our roles and the, i think that would be the dis- action and the third one is achieving consistency consistency in your beliefs and understanding so that's the third one i don't quite which what, how how Ido describes them but anyway those that's if you look at epictetus that's that's how he describes it so it's up to us and not its motives and roles and its consistency of understanding and these of course relate directly to the again to these core tenets the the because up to us and not is a matter of developing the virtue the way we we develop our motives and our objectives goes back to that and consistency consistency is very important because consistency is is i mean the stoics actually think that happiness is fun is fundamentally consistency and if we are consistent in our beliefs and understanding and if we're consistent in the way we Sh- allow that understanding to shape our lives, then that that will, as it were, that's a mark of happiness. So, it's quite a, a sort of although. So, although this sort of these formulas don't, on the face of it, look kind of theory based, they are they are theory based, and they so everything kind of feeds back into the into the core the core tenets. Practice Stoicism with Stoa. Stoic combines the ancient philosophy of Stoicism with meditation in a practical meditation
1: app. It includes hundreds of hours of exercises, lessons, and conversations to
0: help you live a happier life. Here's what our users are saying. I'm new to Stoicism and wanted to dive deeper with guidance. This is it. I love the meditations. I've practiced meditations with other apps, but this just seems to be more impactful. Life-changer. With Stoa, you can really get a sense of how to take yourself out of your thoughts and get a sense of how to handle different, difficult situations. Find it available for free download in the Play Store and App Store.
1: I want to make sure I have the right understanding of the discipline of a sense or a judgment. It's this idea that you should be consistent in your beliefs. I suppose it seems like you could be consistent in having, but end up with a number of different false beliefs. So I imagine it's not, it's not, it's not just logical consistency.
0: No, it's not. It's not. The consistency that, that Epictetus and Stoics are interested in is of course, the consistency of wisdom, of understanding. So now what the Stoics tend to suppose is that the only way in which you can be fully consistent in life is by achieving achieving wisdom and and virtue. The, now the reason they think that is because we're because they think ethical development is natural to us. It's not something that's imposed on us, it's natural to us. So the only way we can become fully self-consistent, the way which we which we can kind of hang together fully as people is by achieving the what they see as the truth, achieving knowledge. And that if we So let's say we've got a sort of, if you like, apparently self-consistent, wicked person, someone who has the vices, who has the passions. They don't, they don't, the Stoics don't think there are such people because they think they always have a kind of latent inconsistency about them. So that the Stoics believe that the only people who can really achieve consistency, given what human nature is otherwise, is a bit sort of complicated but but it, it does mean that, that, that consistency for them is a virtue because consistency is bound up with truth and wisdom and understanding.
1: I see. Very nice.
0: Well, it's quite complicated of course we're rather at the deep end a bit but I tell you there's a wonderful example of this and that's Medea. This leads us back to the passions. Mm-hmm. Medea famously killed her children in order to make her estranged husband miserable. So Medea forced herself against her own maternal instinct to kill her own children because her husband left her for another woman. Now, she does that, okay, but there's some very famous lines in Euripides where his Medea says, I know that what I'm doing, I know that what I'm doing is bad but anger or passion drives me to it. Now, what the Stoics wanted to to say, want to show in using this example is that even Medea, now Medea, you might think she's a paradigm of evil, paradigm of, of, you know, she's a supreme example of, of evil, but even Medea even Medea can recognise that what she's doing is is wrong, is bad, and the Stoics think that that's a kind of makes her an exemplar for humanity in general. That all human beings have this capacity for good, and even Medea can recognise where she's going wrong. Now they did, so so I think they would they would have this rather interesting idea that even even great you know tyrants Hitler, Stalin at some level are people who could who could who could or could have developed in, in a good way and that they will always have a kind of inner inconsistency to them. Hmm. So, Yeah. That's interesting. So, mm, it's very interesting. I think it's very, and it's very different from the view that some people have that, that, you know, that we're good and bad by nature or that all of us are kind of naturally fallen and have original sin or whatever. It's quite a different, quite a different approach.
1: Yeah, I suppose the, there's a range of modern views, but the most typical ones that come to mind would be the ones that you just mentioned where we, we are fallen or have some form of original sin, or there might be the view that we are, there's a very large difference in our natural capacities, Yes, both in things like intelligence, but also in things like moral reasoning. Yes. Um, so that it could be the case that some ability, some people's ability to reason morally it might just be hampered quite significantly
0: yes i think the stoics would, would agree with all that i mean they they know that i mean they're perfectly well aware of that and they know we're all very different as it were levels of development what they would want to stress is that is that assuming you you know you're you're a normally functioning human being i mean they don't they're not talking about people with with kind of congenital mental defects they think that that there's something fundamental about being a human being about, that 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 gives that means at some level you have this core capacity and that's why development is such an important theme for them it's absolutely central life is development life is trying to get better life is trying to learn ethically Learn to be a better person, learn to be virtuous. So it's a very, it's a very sort of can do, positive, forward looking, hopeful philosophy. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, one
1: question I have that I, I know it's quite a big question and you don't have that much time, but I'm curious what grounds the value of the virtues. All right. You, is it that it aligns with our human nature or something like this? And it's our way of you know.
0: Oh sure yes no we haven't we haven't talked about that at all. The among the if you like core tenets is also the idea, not so much the sort of ethical ideas which I summarised earlier, but the idea that that ethics is in a way grounded. It's, a, it's somewhat complicated, but it's it, it that. To, to live an ethical life is to live a life in accordance with nature. Mm-hmm. And then you say, well, what, what, okay, so what does that mean? Well, they mean two things or three things, actually. One is that it's to live life according to human nature, because they think that there is a such a thing we can call as human nature. That's now become controversial. But anyway, we, the Stoics thought that and, and human nature is characteristically rash, what they call rational and sociable. That rationality and sociability are fundamental to human nature. They also thought that our human nature is part of a larger picture so that there's human nature this animal nature and and that we are those things are kind of part of the framework of what we are, because they also think we're animals, we're part of the universe, we're part of the natural universe, and we, and we need to be aware of that. And they also believe that, in, that, that it's, it's helpful in trying to frame your life, sometimes to model yourself on the best qualities of nature as a whole, which for them are order, structure, and wholeness on the one hand and providential care on the other. So they do have quite a, a number of views about what is natural and and the virtues or having the virtues or developing the virtues is a way or, th- or the way of living a life according to nature, living a natural life. Now that's so that is an aspect of their of their views which which also comes up and it's quite controversial now of course because we may say well we just don't believe any of that now and then you have to sort of have a bit, bit of a debate about whether that's really true or not but certainly they do see living a virtuous life as living the best possible human life mm-hmm. and and i think that's not you know, there, 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 are, there, is, there is good reason for thinking that that's, that's, not, that's not obviously false. That's not, it's become more complicated because our views about human nature and evolution and so on change. But nonetheless, I think there's still a, a strong ground for thinking that it makes sense. And, and there are modern ethical theorists who think about that way too, that when we're, we're talking about ethics, we're talking about human ethics. We, we, and of course, there's now very good reason for thinking, for, for when we think about ethics, for locating it in, in the universe and thinking about the environment and th- and realising that we're part of the world and, and that we've, because we've done terrible things to the world, and now we need to correct that and, or try to, as far as we can. But the Stoics, as it were, again, got there first because they're stressing, look, you're not just on your own. Human beings aren't just on their own, as it were. They are part of nature. They're part of the environment. They're part of nature. As a whole, and that's something you need to remember and to bear in mind. Mm-hmm. Do you have any pointers for contemporary
1: defenders of these the sort of, of virtue ethics type
0: of views? I think that Stoicism is a very good model for contemporary virtue ethicists. I think it's a very coherent theory. I think Aristotle is. Is, is wonderful too mm. but i think Stoics, stoicism is much more uh coherent it's much more fully thought out it's a, a very interesting combination of 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 virtue ethics and theory of happiness and also th- what you might call ethical naturalism a theory of nature it's fully worked out as a theory but it's also very very good and strong as as in terms of putting it into practice so i think it's a very powerful form of contemporary virtue ethics, both for for theorists and also for practitioners, people who want to live, live a life, a good life.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah, so both on the side of practice, what do you think are some of the most powerful Stoic
0: practices or exercises? So what you might call Stoic mindfulness is one one practice, which is living reflectively it's not just about breathing and it's not just about about sort of living in the present it's also living reflectively that is trying to bring to bear your thoughts your reflections on the way you live and applying that so it's living reflectively i think is very important another important part of it and then that there is resilience and resilience is a matter really of emotional resilience dealing with circumstances every life has things that go go wrong we think they go wrong because they you know that's that is human life there's change there's people die people we love die we're going to die but stoicism gives you a framework for dealing with some of these things because it gives you a whole range of very profound principles and, and ways of putting these into practice so that they hang together; they make sense. But also, they can they can be put into practice by in the, the, some of the things we've talked about. Epictetus's idea of what's up to us and not the, the three disciplines. So I think these two aspects then the mindfulness and developing resilience are very are very valuable. The idea of 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 trying to form a you know, think about yourself as if you're from from the point of view of the universe, from the, from outside, mm-hmm. putting putting your life into a, into a kind of seeing it from a different position is very valuable. And another one is the the idea of of, of trying to develop your understanding of your, of yourself as part of the brotherhood of humankind by contracting the circles of relationship in, in which we live trying to draw people closer into the circles, thinking about foreigners and refugees as if they're citizens, thinking about citizens as if they're family members, thinking about family members as if they're ourselves. So it's a kind of drawing in the circles. These, I think, are very useful practices, I think.
1: What do you think are some of the most important open questions in Stoic philosophy or practice? Open question. Yeah, if, if you th- thought you know, if you were to advise that more people research particular questions in Stoicism or research particular practices, what do you? Right. What are you
0: curious about? Well, I think, yeah, I think at the theoretical level, I guess the question you raised earlier on about grounding and what what we mean by grounding, ethical grounding, the relationship between between ethics and nature, is a big. It's it's always going to be a big, I mean, it's a problem for any theory that that you know what is it you know you can say all these things but what you know what 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 validates them you know supposing I just say it's all a lot of nonsense what do you do then and so I think that's that the and and the whole question of the relationship between nature ideas of nature ideas of ethics I think that's worth thinking more about it's not a simple one I think that one possible criticism of stoicism is it doesn't mm, talk a lot about politics i mean they do they they don't it's not apolitical but it doesn't have a kind of political theory built into it so i think that's another and yet we all know that you know the the kind of polity we live in is 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 very important and makes a big difference i think at the level of practice the challenge is making sure that all aspects of our life are kind of covered. So we're not just focusing on, you know, I mean, I think it's easy to perhaps just focus on, oh, well, I'll just focus on emotional control. Mm-hmm. I won't, you know, that, that, uh, at least I'll get that. And then you leave out big areas like social relations, say, you know, think that I'll develop good emotions. But then you've forgotten that that a, a big part of that is having good relations with other people and developing your, your, your instinct of care for others. So I think we've got to... We've got to sort of keep try and keep 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 things together, really, because lived experience isn't doesn't come in neat neat small bundles, and and that's a bit of a challenge for Stoicism, I think. And and so I think I often when I talk to people engaged in modern practice, Stoicism, they 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 are very much concerned with the emotional side, but but I, I I tend to say, well, hang on, but there's also we've got to live. Remember that we're leading a social. A social life. We have There are other people and they're part of our life too, and we're part of their lives. So I think that's perhaps a bit of a challenge.
1: Thanks for listening to Stoic Conversations. If you found this conversation useful, please give us a rating on Apple, Spotify, or whatever podcast platform you use and share it with a friend. And I'd like to thank Michael Levy for graciously letting us use his music. Do check out his work at ancientliar.com And please get in touch with us at stoa
0: at stoameditation.com if you ever have any feedback or questions. Until next time.